Despite all the advances in technology, including advanced analytics, data management, artificial intelligence, and machine learning, the CEOs that participated in an EY study acknowledged significant gaps remain in the organization's ability to generate value from their data. But the biggest chasm is on the issue of data and trust. Only 34% of CEOs say customers trust them with their data. Welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. In today's episode, we are joined by TJ Chandler, Managing Director for Asia Pacific at Fibetran, to talk about strategies for orchestrating a data-driven enterprise. TJ, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Greetings. Thanks for letting me be here, Alan. Now, in 2020, COVID-19 saw an increase in the use of the cloud. This is as the workforce shifted to a hybrid model of way of work. The result is an increase in data traffic, possibly putting a strain on the infrastructure supporting the business. Is this a fair assessment? And do you see this thing continuing in 2021, given all the learnings that we have and at the same time, the expectations that businesses anticipate this year as well? It's a, a great question and wonderful insight. I think, honestly, that shift started well before 2020 and before the COVID pandemic. The whole flexible workplace, the ability of knowledge workers to be dispersed and distributed, um, not something that's been going on really for over a decade. And what we saw through um, the pandemic was uh, an acceleration of that. So an acceleration, I mean, obviously, we all had to work from home. Um, and therefore, yes, there were some different strains placed on the network infrastructure and on data. It accelerated not only the work-life environment, but the importance of data. No longer are we able to sit around a conference table face-to-face and make decisions. We're even more reliant on looking at dashboards, evaluating statistics, and needing to have that data at the point of consumption. Again, I don't think this is something new from 2020. I think 2020 dramatically accelerated it. Rather than creating monthly reports, we need real-time information. As uh, circumstances around COVID, around businesses, around the economy, transportation, everything was shifting on a daily or weekly basis. So having that real-time decision-making information became just super critical, and everyone realized that. It also has accelerated the move to the cloud, which is also not a new phenomenon, but that strain on the traditional infrastructure, as you mentioned, I think has been further prompted to get off of the on-prem systems that really tied people to specific buildings and saying, we, we don't have a choice. We have to deliver data and those associated tools via the cloud. So the old infrastructure is strained. The good news is cloud infrastructure, especially in data, which is what I think we'll spend most of our time talking about with data warehouses, data lakes, other data stores, putting those on the cloud is is flexible, it's scalable, it's much more cost-effective. And now with providers such as Snowflake, Databricks, GC, Google, um, Amazon Web Services, these are all, it's now possible to get that scalability and the ubiquity of having data everywhere. When I think about a CIO's job and how that may have changed this past year, and I know we'll talk more about the data engineers, but a CIO has really two imperatives now. First, leverage data in the cloud. We don't have a choice anymore. Pre COVID, it was a nice to have, it was a strategic direction, 
but that investment is further accelerated. So they must leverage data in the cloud. And secondly, to make their teams more efficient in doing so. And do you anticipate the environment to be the same thing this year, this 2021? Absolutely. I think that now that everyone realizes there's no going back and that on-premise infrastructure is functionally obsolete at this point, um, what we're seeing in the marketplace among our customers and even our own business, we're definitely continuing that acceleration. What is a data engineer and the role of that data engineer? And within a business environment, what are the typical types of data engineers in terms of the job titles? What do they hold? There are communities of data engineers that absolutely know who they are, and they're a very tight-knit group, and they, like any other club, uh, have their own language. But a data engineer functionally is no different than any other type of engineer, electronics engineer such as yourself, or a civil engineer. What they're trying to do is solve the architectural, logistical, really the engineering challenges of making a process take place. So for example, electricity needs to get from the power generation station to the light. A civil engineer may work with waterworks and install the plumbing and the pipes that get water from the reservoir into the home and all the way to the tap. So the engineer is the one who takes that need, especially to deliver a good or a commodity, a utility from one point to another and works out all the details to make it happen so that the end consumer isn't even aware that it's there. I'll tell you, I don't think about the the wires in the wall when I flip the switch. I just want there to be light above me. Uh, When I open the tap, I want water to be there. It's only when it doesn't work that you say, okay, who engineered this? That's when we we get mad. So data engineers, you don't hear about them a lot because if they're doing their job well, then you don't know they exist. It's only when things don't go well. And we've all had plumbing problems or electrical problems that it's horrible. We've probably tried to fix them ourselves sometimes too and realize how complicated that can be. So by the same token, enterprises need to have data and they need more and more data. There are more end consumers of data. We have uh, actually a customer in Singapore, uh, Food Panda, also known as Delivery Hero. They only have six people on their data team needing to support over a thousand consumers of data to consume those reports. That's overwhelming that they need to take care of all that. Their biggest problem was it was taking about three weeks for those consumers to get their reports and they were able to reduce that time considerably through the result of data engineers saying, we can do this faster. We can figure out how to connect these data sources to their targets in a more efficient way, just like a civil engineer or electrical engineer. CFOs and CIOs that we've been talking to for the last couple of years have been talking about the importance of becoming data-driven at the operational level or even below the operational level. What does this mean from the perspective of the operations? And then how does the data engineer support the requirements of a business to become more data-driven? You may have heard the the phrase, work smarter, not harder. I think companies have always desired to be data-driven, whether they called it that or not. That term, data-driven, has only come into fashion since we've had more access to data. And the number and variety and volume of data sources has absolutely proliferated, just exploded or blossomed um, in the last couple of decades. And so being data-driven went first to saying, oh, we want more access to data. And that's where a lot of heavy equipment, the big infrastructure, 
infrastructure, the on-premise databases, lots of resources coming in to build reports, build data warehouses, ETL scripts, that came in. That was working harder to get more data. Now the volume and variety of data is so overwhelming that you can't just work harder. You've got to work smarter in order to access those many sources and find a way to bring them all into some form of repository or accessible place where then reports can be written, dashboards can be accessed, transformations can happen, and real intelligence can be extracted so that the business can make truly data-driven decisions. So operationally, it means that we now have tools like Tableau and Looker and SciSense that produce dashboards for people to make real-time or near real-time business decisions, whether those are operational or strategic. It also means that formats and types of data sources is so vast and complex that we need smarter ways to connect those. And that usually means APIs, data connectors, which is typically what a data engineer will do. Coming back to your question about what their function is, they're writing application program interfaces. They're sometimes called um, data integration specialists or integration engineers, um, sometimes data architects. The terms and the titles can flow into each other. I've even heard information artists so it really depends on how they want to position themselves. But being data-driven now really means we have to work smarter in collecting, consolidating, and managing an ever-increasing number of data sources and making it consumable ready for citizen analysts and everyone across the organization, even you know individual contributors. It's not just for executives anymore. So what's a prevailing misconception or misconceptions with regards to becoming more data-driven? I think it's easy to believe that so in terms of a misconception conception by the business to believe that having all data and all knowledge is possible there needs to be an acknowledgement that reality is continuously changing and becoming ever more informed which can change some fundamental assumptions this can be very unsettling for business managers and owners and executives who have based their strategies off of data that they had at the beginning of the year and as they see new data coming in from new sources it challenges those assumptions And they have to question, did we have the right strategy? Do we need to pivot? And we saw numerous examples through 2020 of companies saying the world has changed and is literally changing again before our eyes. I need more information. So the common misconception was, hey, as long as we have the data that we need, we can make decisions and execute. Um, I think we now need to think about there's more data coming and to keep those assumptions flexible and malleable. And how do you respond to that? What sort of challenges do organizations have? And from your experience working with customers in the region, how do you help them pivot or or make sure that their infrastructure is able to support this requirement to be more data-driven? Yeah, so I wrote an article about a year ago, shortly after the pandemic um, started for a magazine, where I really talked about the, the first thing is to prioritize what is the most important data that you need to make the decisions that you have today. And so it needs to be first very tactical because you need to be able to put one foot in front of the other this quarter, this month, this week. So prioritize that data first so that at least you're, you're operating. Meanwhile, in the background, move all of your data into the cloud so that you can inquire hypothetically medical situations and new scenarios. There are some really great emerging technologies for both machine learning and even artificial intelligence, even just predictive analytics, trying to run different scenarios. And I think that that's the new knowledge. Instead of saying, we're going to look at the spreadsheets and we're going to make a decision and that's our set path, it instead needs to be a continual and iterative process 
of here's where we are, here's how we can get to the next week, but long-term, here are the, the potential directions it could send us. Singapore doesn't get hurricanes or cyclones because you're so uh, so close to the equator. But the further you go north and south, we know that storms can happen. And in the tropics, when a cyclone or a hurricane starts forming, you've seen those maps that say, well, right now the hurricane is here. It could go as far north as this or as far south as that. And these predictive models are, are quite important. I think that that will become even more operationalized for businesses to say, we have a projection that we think we're going to land with this amount of inventory or this type of customer base, but it could be a variance of plus or minus this, and it could go this direction or that direction. So being data-driven now means being more informed about the potential outcomes rather than having some certainty that you can you can count on by the end of the year, because the world is constantly changing now. What sort of technologies does an organization need to implement in order to be able to harness that without breaking the bank, if you will? Yeah, that's always the question, isn't it? So just as the old infrastructure has become obsolete because it was working harder rather than smarter, likewise, any new tool needs to be evaluated around its scalability without compromising its reliability and security. So when we're passing data, there's good reason for data privacy laws. Data is important and that security of that data is essential. So evaluating the trade-offs between speed, flexibility, scalability, extensibility, security, all those those non-functional requirements and evaluating really what is going to help our organization get the answers that we need in the most reliable way possible for the lowest total cost of ownership. So also, I think that extensibility is important to ensure that you don't lock yourself into a tool that is highly exclusive and it's so proprietary that it only works in a certain ecosystem or that it requires a high degree of configuration or specialization just to make it work out of the box. I would also caution, again, um, going too flexible and too open source, where it's community supported, where it means great, we've got all sorts of flexibility, but it may not be actually supported when you need it. And there you start to compromise that reliability and potentially security. Let's go to this Dimensional Research 5 trend study. If you look at it, what are the key points that the study is telling us and how do we respond to them? What, what can we learn from the study? Let's go with three statistics. First is that 68% of analysts say that they lack the time to implement profit-driving ideas. So think about the, the analysts, which is a broader category than it used to be, but a business analyst that's trying to help the, the business make money or save money or reduce risk, 68% of them are saying that they just don't have the time to implement all the ideas. What if we could give some of that time back to them by giving them the data that they need when they need? The second major finding was that 34% of of their time, of analyst time, was wasted just trying to access data. So you put those two together and say, they're spending a third of their time just trying to get to the data that they need. If they could get that third of their time back, now they can implement that much more profit-driving ideas. And finally, only about 50% of their time is spent actually analyzing data. So they're, they're spending their time doing low value added, just trying to access the, the data rather than analyzing it and trying to make a decision. For a while, I was in the, um, I had a company that ran HR recruiting and I was helping hiring managers, school principals to hire teachers. And they were spending about 80% of their time just shuffling through resumes instead of spending time with candidates. This is exactly the same kind of problem where analysts are spending a lot of their time just trying to get the data they need and using it to make decisions. Now, there's another very concerning byproduct of this, because if I'm an analyst and I'm not getting the information I need, 
and I find that it takes half my time just trying to get to the data, what am I going to do? I'm going to start creating offline silos, Excel spreadsheets, Google Sheets, my own little database. I'm going to be gathering information that I think that I need, store it off by myself, which isn't helping the organization. And it, in fact, is causing more confusion. And it is even more difficult to then integrate all those decisions together. So I think we haven't quantified it through this particular research project, but I have seen with my own eyes how individual analysts will start creating their own databases and their own data warehouses, which may or may not correspond with what the enterprise is trying to do. And that that's actually taking steps backwards rather than helping them. Last thing I wanted to cover with you is this on ETL, right? Extract, transport, and load. What should the CIO bear in mind as regards to ETL platforms? And in particular, in Asia, how could organizations leverage these ETL platforms to help them become more data-driven? Great question and a big topic. So quick tutorial, extract, transform, and load. Data is captured in source systems that are typically relational databases. So lots of tables and many joins. And when you try and run reports against those, then uh, they've got to go through all the joins and the reference tables, and ultimately it's not scalable. So along came cloud columnar database, uh, well, actually before that was data warehouses, where um, analytical schemas or dimensional schemas were able Able to solve for that. And without going into the details of how that is, just recognize that it's it's no longer a relational database. It is a, an, an analytical dimensional database. It's a cube. That's right. Yeah. Data Mart, data warehouse. So it needs to get into that cube. What has to happen is some transformation of the data. And along with that, sometimes there's some data cleanup, there's some reconciliation. If you're merging multiple sources, then that's where the T, the transform comes. Once the cloud data warehouse, cloud data warehouses came into existence, we now have near infinite flexibility for storage and compute. So the old limitations of those systems and infrastructure being able to just run harder and more reports is largely covered now because we have these highly scalable, elastic data warehouses that can we can put data into. Fivetran has decided to say, instead of extract it from the source, do a bunch of transformations and load it. The problem with that is every time you have a change in the source, you know, added a new column, something new is being collected, or you have a new requirement from the end user who says, oh, actually, I want a different report. I want the data to relate in a different way. Then you've, you've got to change the T. You've got to change that transformations again. And so those pipelines would break continually. Fivetran said, why don't we just extract it, create an entity relationship diagram automatically, and then load it into the data warehouse where we've got heaps of compute and storage power available to us. And now we have data in the data warehouse with the original data at its finest grain, and we can then do whatever transformations and additional modeling that we need according to the end user's needs. So whether it's operational reports for finance or strategic reports for, for R&D, we can now create many dimensional models within that data warehouse without breaking the pipelines. It can be highly iterative and very rapid without ever touching those pipelines again. So again, this is working smarter rather than harder. And I, I want to make sure I got, got to your question on that. But essentially, the, the future of ETL is actually ELT and allowing the transformations to be closest to the end consumers of, of what the business is asking for. And as I mentioned at the beginning, they're continually asking different questions because the ground is changing all the time. So that flexibility is actually going to enhance their ability to truly be data-driven going forward. And to do it more dynamically because the transformation occurs right at the edge where the actual users needs the system. Okay.
Fair enough. Understand. Precisely. What we're talking about data that we're putting in the cloud. As you are aware, a lot of countries have their own data sovereignty issues or regulations, which restricts the ability of highly controlled industries like banks, for example, from moving their data into the cloud itself, unless it's a private cloud, but it still has to stay domestic. How do you get around this? Or is there a way to get around this requirement for keeping data local or domestic? Well, first of all, data privacy laws are long overdue and very necessary, right? I think we let it go too far, and that's why we have seemingly overbearing laws like GDPR, even PDPA in Singapore and, and elsewhere. I, I want to express my support for that. I also believe that as we work more in that new environment, there will be some standardization. We're already seeing it globally. You know, there are certain standards and protocols that are becoming adopted. The data residency, that's something that my advice to CIOs would be, watch this space carefully because the current geopolitical climate will further contribute to nations feeling like they need to have that control um, or at least to ensure that their data is being moved around in safe places. So I think what we're going to continue to see is um, attention to the standards, even over the, the physical residency, um, that the standards of how data is controlled, managed, transported and handled is going to be primary. Secondly, when it comes to data, physical data residency, saying the data cannot leave the country, that's largely a policy by banks and regulated industries that they've chosen to do that. I think over time, they will find either that's necessary due to geopolitical changes or that it's actually not as necessary. I've heard rumors of potentially developing industry-specific clouds. So maybe imagine a financial services cloud that covers Asia, you know, Southeast Asia altogether. And because it will have such high standards, then banks and others will, will feel comfortable with that. So I, I think that that's likely where we're headed. In the meantime, we're in a transition phase. And so we need to comply with that. We need to have multi-cloud support so that uh, we can, uh, and then Fivetran does this, the ability to have on, on multiple different types of clouds, um, even support on-prem databases that are still around. I think my word to vendors is you're going you're gonna to have to stay uh, very flexible and agile. And my word to CIOs is continue to watch this space, stay compliant, but also watch to where, where the future is going to be and, and anticipate wisely. Last question for you. Data engineers, do you see the role evolving or what are the requirements for these, this type of function in order for it to really be supportive of the business models that organizations are transforming themselves into? What do they need to do and what do CIOs have to do in order to support this change that the data engineers need to undertake? I, th I think it's a really exciting future for data engineers because on the one hand, what they have been doing, you know, building commodity style, monotonous API connectors is about to change. And uh, that change brings opportunity for them. It doesn't mean that their jobs become obsolete. It means that what they've been doing at their jobs is obsolete. And now they get to do more fun stuff. There will always be a, a need and a demand to engineer something more complex. There's always going to be another source. There's Internet of Things. There's new data sources and new requirements that we need great engineers to solve those problems. We also know that we'll need engineering expertise to train machine learning models and predictive analytics models to help develop AI into tools that are really consumer ready. I don't think we're there yet, but data engineers, their expertise will be needed to help make those changes possible. So I see a real evolution of this job, similar to what I imagined, you know, 100 years ago, if you were an electrical engineer, you went from being cutting edge of, oh, we, we actually made this building light up 
to, oh, well, now we're trying to figure out how to reduce our carbon footprints, how we're trying to deliver LED fixtures in every building and make lead compliant um, buildings. So uh, they've got great job security. Data engineers have great job security. As a CIO, I would also think about mapping all of those professionals that are involved in data, in its collection, in its maintenance and curation, in its transport, in its consumption, in its representation. These are data architects, data scientists, information artists, as I mentioned, data analysts, business analysts. Think about this now as, as an ecosystem rather than as individual silos, because all of this knowledge has to come together in very rapid and iterative fashion for the results that the organization needs. And a strong strategic CIO is going to identify the benefits and the values from all these different skill sets and to be able to assemble them so that they're excited about new sources of data because they produce produce more new insights for the business. TJ, thank you for joining me on Podchats for Future CIO. My pleasure, Alan. Thanks again. That was TJ Chandler, Managing Director Asia Pacific at Fivetran on the topic of orchestrating a data-driven enterprise. You are listening into Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for our weekly free newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now. Thank you.